0: Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. If you are visiting with us online, we welcome you. If you're a member of this congregation and are worshiping online, please let the uh, eldership know that you're doing that. We had 110 at the 830 service, and it's certainly good to see you here. If you're visiting with us, We'd like to have a record of your attendance along with everyone else. It's been a while since we've used our friendship registered, but you'll find one on each end of the pew. Uh, please take that and we'd like to have a record of everyone's attendance today. If you have your worship bulletin, Brother Jeremy Jones is gonna be leading us in singing uh, the change on some of the others uh, Stephen Hodgin will be leaving, leading our opening prayer Brother Jordan Coates will have the scripture reading Brother Ken will have the lesson uh, Brother Drew Bruce will direct us in the Lord's Supper And Brother Jerry Barrett will have our uh, announcements and closing prayer Would you bow with me please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the blessings that you bestow upon us. We're thankful for the opportunity to worship thee. We pray that everything that we do would be pleasing in your sight. And we pray, Father, that our worship today would be acceptable to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Maybe that'll stay. There we go. Sorry about that. First song this morning will be Here I Am to Worship, number 613. If you're willing and able, please stand with me as we sing this song. Here I Am to Worship.
1: Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let
2: gracious and righteous Heavenly Father, giver and maker of all things. Father, we are mindful of your goodness and your grace and thankful for all that you do for us and all that you are. Forgive us, Father, when we are forgetful. Forgive us when we are neglectful. Forgive us when we take for granted the things that we have. Help us, Lord, always to be mindful that everything we have is because of you and everything that we have is to be used in your service and to your glory Father thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together and worship we are mindful of so many of our number and many uh, about whom many of us don't even know but you know who are hurting, who are struggling, who are suffering uh, because of loss because of death and we pray Lord that you would Be with them as only you can for you know their needs better than we thank you father for the privilege of being a part of your kingdom thank you for this congregation of your church that meets here for its leadership for every member of the body thank you father for brother ken and i pray you'll bless him today as we study your word together help us always be servants who are listening servants who are willing and servants who are living in your will only, in your Son's name, we pray. Amen.
0: <clears throat> number nine hundred and forty only. A step will be our song of invitation after uh, Brother Ken's lesson nine forty. Uh, before his lesson, we'll sing number seven hundred nineteen.
1: Angry words. Seven hundred nineteen, ladies. Angry words, all oh, laughing at. Chapter 12, verses 14
3: through
1: 17. Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God; that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. Who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears.
4: Good morning. If you're visiting with us, we are so thankful for your presence. Hope that you'll make it a habit to come back and be a part of our assemblies. And I will tell you that you have some choices. You can be a part of this assembly at 10.30, or if you get up a little early, you can actually be here at 8.30, and we have a service that's taking place in the parking lot. It's nice and cool weather, a little more relaxed uh, setting, and. We just have a great time in worshiping God. But whether you choose indoor or outdoor, I'm just, I'm just glad that you have spiritual matters prioritized such in your life that you're a part of some kind of worship gathering. And I'm glad you're here now. This text, another one of those challenging texts, it sets an example of someone who's gone before us, made some bad choices, And as a result of that, his life was filled with regret. I don't want you to have that. I want you to be making choices now that are going to bless your life rather than to create some problems down the road. So I hope, I hope that this is just a moral tale that's a warning for us. But I can't help... Also to think that there are probably some folks in here today who have regrets. I want you to know that God is a God who deals with regrets just as much as He anticipates the blessings. And so as we consider what the Bible has to say, especially about Esau, maybe you can make some applications to your life That will maybe lessen some of the burden and provide you with a means of freeing yourself from a difficult past let's pray to god he'll bless us in our study and then let's see what he has to say for us our father in heaven thank you so much for this opportunity that is ours to be here to worship you in spirit and in truth i pray father that you will have your word to work on our hearts today help us lord to look at the life that you chronicled for us the history that you gave us about esau and some of the choices that he made help us father to learn from his mistakes so that we'll not make the same mistakes And Father, if we are embroiled in difficulties now, I pray that we will be humble enough to repent and to turn to You. Thank You for what You can do through Your Word today with all of us. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you paid close attention to the text, you noticed that there were several admonitions here that are worthy of more detailed examination. For instance, he begins this section by saying, pursue peace with all people. Well, that certainly is something worthy talking about, isn't it? Because the Bible talks a lot about not just peace, but our pursuit of peace. In the book of Genesis, chapter 13, verses 7, 8, and 9, you have a quiet moment in the life of Abraham and Lot where it seems like, although those two got along, okay, They had a lot of servants and a lot of animals that were traveling along with them. And as a result of just maybe too many people and too many things in a confined space, strife developed between them. And so they decided to separate because after all, they were brethren. It was more important to them to maintain peace than it was to fight over things and keep the strife. I love that. That'd be a great lesson to dig into I know that in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 at verse 9 Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers well I want to be blessed and I want to pursue peace so if I'm a peacemaker maybe God will bless me mine will be the kingdom of heaven what a great benefit or when Paul was talking to the Roman brethren in in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 He said, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So I know that I have responsibility to maintain peace. Do what I can to see to it that I get along with people. Oh, those would be great things to talk about. There's also what follows up in our text, not just, he says, to pursue peace, but also to pursue holiness. Now, he says holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness is required in order to be in the presence of God. And again, I think about something Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, at verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If I want to see God, I've got to have purity of heart. I've got to be a, a holy person. So I need to pursue that. That would be a great lesson. And one day, I'm sure, we'll talk about that. And, and then there's also kind of a, I don't know, a curiosity question that develops out of this text when he refers to a root of bitterness. I tend to think that refers back to a statement that's made about a root of bitterness in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 18. And in that context, the root of bitterness that had sprung up among the children of God was actually idolatry. And so the point is, don't let that idolatry continue to flourish in you because ultimately it's not just going to affect the original idolater, it's going to cause other people to be sidelined as well, to lose their focus to worship idols. And so that kind of connects itself with 1 Corinthians 5, where you have the church that was was maintaining a relationship with someone who was in sin. And Paul says, boy, I've already judged that thing, and don't you know you need to get the leaven out of this lump? Because, same idea, once sin is in the body, it tends to multiply. It affects other people. No doubt about it, those admonitions are important lessons, and we ought to look at them, but not today. Today we're going to look at the story of Esau, and about how Esau made some choices in his life that ultimately led to terrible, terrible regrets. Now, we're not going to do this part of it this morning. This will be like a homework assignment. So I know so many of you are teachers out there. This is just, you know, I'm just kind of a get back at you. (laughs) But here's your homework assignment. Today, just take the time to read from Genesis, only two sections. One is from Genesis chapter 25. Look at verses 29 to 34. And then also the two chapters on down, chapter 27. And we're going to look at verses 30 to 40. Now in chapter 25... You have Esau who, he's the firstborn in this family. And to the firstborn go really all the spoils, so to speak. All the blessings of the family, the, the position as patriarch in the family were naturally going to go to Esau because he's the firstborn. In this text, Esau, who is a a very worldly, outdoorsy type of man, he's been hunting, he comes in after a difficult day of hunting, boy, he is hungry, and his brother Jacob, who is described as one who kind of lived in the tents, he had cooked up a big old pot of lentil stew, bean soup, and Esau loved that kind of stuff. And he's like, oh, give me, give me some of that soup. I'm about to die. And Jacob says, hey, you know what? I'm sure he's just stirring it and getting the aroma out in the tent. He's like, well, I don't know. Hey, hey, I know what? If you give me that birthright, I'll give you soup. And Esau's like, I'm about to die. What is soup to a dying man? I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to give you the birthright, you give me the soup. And so they made that that exchange. Two chapters later, chapter 27, I I get the idea that Esau thinks, well, you know, I messed up there, but at least I can get the blessing of my father. That will get everything right. But before Esau even comes on the scene, his brother has fooled his father through deceit and has obtained the blessing. And as a result of that, twice now, Esau has missed out on the most important opportunities of his entire life. Now what we're going to see out of this are basically three lessons. We will see the fact that he missed his opportunity. Secondly, that when he missed the opportunity, there wasn't any way to get another opportunity. And then finally, all that was left to do was just to cry in his regret. I want you to think with me about the profanity of misplaced values this text says from Hebrews 12 that Esau was a profane man now when you hear that word profanity if, if I were to use it here you'd probably think I'm just talking about bad language but that's a real limited idea that's not what this text is really talking about in this text the idea of being profane is not properly respecting or honoring something that is holy or of great value. It's like what Ezekiel described in Ezekiel 22 and verse 26. In that text, you have some priests who, first of all, they don't obey the law of God. And then secondly, they're not giving proper respect to holy things it says that they are profane with regard to those holy things and he goes on to describe the situation he said they just they don't know how or at least they don't distinguish between the holy and the unholy they don't distinguish between the unclean and the clean it's like the profanity that is seen when someone prefers the secular over the spiritual. It's the profanity that you see when a person prefers recreation over religion. It's the kind of profanity that you see when a person is more interested in pleasure right now than in heaven later. It's the kind of profanity you see when a person has time for everything in the world, but absolutely no time for God. In Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, Isaiah described this very situation in his own time. He said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness? Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? You see, it's like they've changed the price tags in life. They've taken those things which are valuable and put in a very low price on them, and the things that are invaluable and counting them as practically priceless. Jesus said, you be careful about that kind of thinking. In Matthew 6, beginning at verse 19, He says, do not lay up for yourselves Treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In chapter 16, verse 26, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? That's secular, that's material and loses his own soul, that's that's spiritual, that's eternal. What are we thinking? Esau was that kind of man, the secular man, who loves to play outdoors. I mean, literally, that's who he was. Likes to go hunting on the weekends, maybe go on a big fishing trip somewhere, spend a lot of money on equipment. That's all he thinks about. He's that man who would say, you know what, you only go around once in life. You need to grab all the gusto you can. I'm going to live my life to the fullest. Esau's like that woman who knows everything that's happening in Hollywood, who is up on the latest fashions, who keeps her house in pristine condition, always having the faddish furniture and all the decorations to match. But in her life, she has God and the Bible and prayer in the closet. Esau is that man who is just too busy, too interested in other things to be concerned with the things of God. That is the profanity of misplaced values. But also in this text, we see the tragedy of irreparable folly. Now, also in this text, it says with regard to Esau that he found no place for repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. He found no place for repentance, In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For whoever sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but whoever sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. You get what you sow. If you sow carnal, secular things, you'll get the result of that. A fading prophet. If you sow to spiritual things, you'll get the result of that. Eternal profits. What would you like? Something that fades away? Something eternal. Some people, for a reason or another, have no mechanism by which to judge the decisions that they make. And they just go roughshod over life. Be certain that the decisions that you make whether good or bad, have have consequences. They have results that come with them. You say, but Ken, the text, it says that he found no place for repentance. Is that saying that once he committed a sin that he couldn't get repentance for it? No, that's not what that's saying at all. You know that repentance is available. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, right? Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You can be forgiven of your sin. The problem is that even though you can be forgiven of your sin, many times the consequence of that sin continues right along with you. You can't ever outrun it. It follows you everywhere you go. Not only does this text say that Esau was a profane person, there is kind of a, I don't know, it's almost a mystery because it says, as a fornicator or profane person. And I think, now, oh, wait a second, I don't know of any description in the scriptures that says Esau was a fornicator. I know he's profane, no, no doubt about that. The example's right here, but I don't know about him participating in fornication. Now, you understand fornication is having sex outside of marriage. I, I don't have a record of him behaving that way in the Scriptures, but here, here's something that I do know, that as regards action and consequences... You know what? Sometimes there are unintended consequences when someone breaks the law of God. So, especially young people, I'm thinking, if you are involved in fornication, if if you are having sexual relations with someone who is not your spouse, you are giving your soul away for a few moments of pleasure. And there may be unintended consequences that come with that choice. I think about, as we talked last week, the question was, who's going to tell the child about Jesus? And I realize that, you know, in our family relations, there can be terrible regrets. Now, you're here today, if you're a parent of some children, you're here to worship God and and. I, I honor you for that. I, I think that was the right choice. But it's possible that we have some folks who maybe it's only the mom or the dad who bring the kids to worship service and Bible classes. Or, or maybe, maybe we know of people who they're not interested in that at all. Their, their life is going on. They're not, they're not taking the kids to church. They don't have in, any interest in that right now. Now, it may be later when they've grown up you know, they're not so interested in trying to, to beat the Joneses next door, keep up with them, or they're not climbing the ladder of status. They've kind of settled in their lives, and now they're satisfied, and they're like, you know, there's something missing. And maybe they'll meet one of you, and they'll say, you know what, what's missing in our life is Jesus. And they obey the gospel, and they're saved. You say, Ken, they repented of that life of neglect, and now they're on the right road. Yeah, that's right, peace, great, love it. But what happens to those kids? Those kids were actually brought up in a home that had no regard whatsoever for God. Now, I'm happy for the parents, I really am. But you can't go back and do anything about those kids. You're hoping that you got... knowledge of the lord you came to your senses in time that you can bring them along but maybe not same is true in a marriage relationship maybe you began your relationship kind of in a carnal way listen i've had lots of i've had lots of couples lots of them come in their eyes are all starry oh we we want to get married ken we are in love and i'm sitting there like okay you're in love. Tell me about it. Oh, it was a, it was just like it was just like one of them fairy tales. It's like one of those TV shows you see. I, I was kind of on the other side of the room and I saw her, our eyes met, boom! Instant love. It was love at first sight. Oh, I just love. Okay. Tell me a little more about that love you have for her or for him. Because if it's just physical attraction. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, can, we're going to keep ourselves up. You know, we're into fitness big, and we're going to, oh, okay, that's fine. Great. But practically speaking, I'm just going to tell you, I, I promise you, you can write this down, you're going to change over time. And so is that one who's got your interest right now. Once that's gone, what, what do you have? Once the physical attraction isn't what it used to be. What are you going to have then? For too many people, they don't have anything. And they move on. Terrible consequences come in a decision like that. In our marriages, we need to be making sure that our marriages are founded on biblical principles. And that we've made a good choice with a spouse that we are joining our lives to for an entire lifetime. (laughs) If we choose otherwise. You've heard this story many times. Too many times. Boys at a party or something. There's some drinking going on. He gets a little too much alcohol, but he's got to get home, so he climbs in his car. And headed down the highway, he loses control of his automobile, and he kills an innocent person in the other lane. Oh, he survives. And you may say, well, Ken, we, we should work with this person and and reclaim them and and see that they repent and get their life back on track. Great! Yes! But here's what I want us to understand. While that repentance can happen, I, I I can repent of the fornication. I can repent of the problems with my children. I can repent of the problems in my marriage. I can repent for having killed somebody as a result of my stupid, foolish decision but I can't bring them back from the grave. There will always be consequences for bad choices. You know this story. I heard this story when I was a little kid. In fact, it's one of the few nursery rhymes that I still remember. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Be certain that the choices you make today do not have built-in consequences that will affect you for the rest of your life. And then, the grief of lost opportunities. You remember the description that I gave you of Esau? Let me tell you, Esau is what you would call an alpha male. Esau was a man's man. Even the description of him, he's just like a burly brute, hairy and tough. But in Genesis chapter 27 and verse 34... That is not the image that comes to mind. In that place, the Bible says that after he heard what his father had to say, his father's Isaac telling him that there's going to be no blessing today. When he heard that, the Bible says that he cried an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And here's what he said to his father Bless me, me also, oh my father. Isaac says, I can't bless you, I've already given it to your brother. Esau's like, he's a deceiver. He he can't receive that blessing. It wasn't legitimate. Isaac said, I have blessed what I have blessed. No, no. Don't you know, Dad, I already gave away my birthright? And and boy, that was such a dumb thing that I did. I made a terrible mistake. I'm filled with regrets. But at least you could help me save the situation by giving me the blessing. Please, Father, please an exceedingly great and bitter cry. John Greenleaf Whittier. I don't know everything that he ever wrote. I don't even know the whole of what this comes from, but I do remember this one statement that he made. For all the sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these. You know it? It might have been. If I could live my life over again, but you can't. If only I had, but you didn't. You know, Ken, if I had You did not. I wish I hadn't. But you did. And the worst consequence of all is when a person doesn't stumble into a mistake, but a person intentionally, willfully, walks right into that sin with eyes wide open. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 26. For if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who rejected Moses' law died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment, do you suppose, will he be thought worthy? Who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Decisions determine destiny. Again, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Jesus had entered by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way which leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Find it. Find it. The decisions that you make right here today, right here in this auditorium, can affect the rest of your life. But there is one decision that you make That you will never ever regret. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 23, the scripture there says to buy the truth and do not sell it. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. You say, Ken, I've made terrible mistakes and I am filled with regrets. Then carry those regrets to the foot of the cross. If you are a child of God today and you've been in willful sin, you need to repent right now. Don't take another breath until you have resolved your situation with the Lord. And when you do that, maybe you can begin to work on the consequences and pray that God will give you the wisdom to work through some of that. As dire as some circumstances look, It is never the end. And the change in your heart may be the first step in correcting what is a terrible situation for many people. If you're not a child of God today, then it is imperative for you and those who depend on you that you obey the gospel, have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ when in belief you submit yourself to the gospel you've repented, you've turned away from your sin, you've confessed your faith, you're buried in water to have the sins washed away by that blood, you rise in newness of life. Then you can begin with your walk with Jesus, and maybe that influence will be the start of something beautiful in your life. Today, if there's anybody who needs to respond for any reason, now's your opportunity to do it. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand and sing together?
1: Hear the sweet voice of Jesus Jesus' say.
0: how deep the Father's love.
5: Up the emblems to four tables, two in the back, two in the front. Somebody will bring you some if you raise your hand. Okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, staying. Thank for everything goodness. in us. Well, think of this bread that represents your son's body that was hung on the cross for our sins. May we take it well well pleasing your sight. It's just name we pray. Amen. Father, thank you for staying. Thank you for all your many blessings. We thank you for this cup, ever since your Son's blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. We will go minds go back to the cross so we partake it. Just name, I pray, Amen. We have this time to give back to the church. Uh, there's offering plates on each table, as I mentioned earlier. Um, let's have a prayer for them. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for all the blessings you give us, all the material and spiritual blessings. We ask that we give back to you with unselfish hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
2: As most of you know, the plan is to... Uh, begin having Bible classes again on Sunday, uh, next Sunday, but instead of in the morning, it'll be at 5 o'clock that afternoon. Uh, keep that in mind, it'll be the same format unless something changes between now and then, uh, the same format as Wednesday night. Uh, there won't be a, a uh, gathering in the auditorium. Classes will go to their classes and then dismiss at the end. There'll be one auditorium class and classes for all ages, all the way uh, down through nursery
6: Good morning Well there's a uh, 126 of us here and there were 110 outside so 236 236 that's really good God gave us a beautiful day outside and inside today Um We have a very extensive prayer list, as usual. Uh, We have one person still in the hospital. That's Brenda Dawson. As you know, her back uh, has given her a lot of problems, and she's uh, had a very extensive surgery. So let's be in prayer for her, as well as everyone else that's on here. That's a long list of uh, folks, and as always, let's be in prayer for them. Uh, Next Sunday, from 2 to 3, is the Life Chain. So at 1.30, you'll come in and uh, get a sign at the TAC. And then there's a lot of room up and down the road to uh, line up. So in other words, there's room for everybody. So again, that's next Sunday from 2 to 3 is the Life Chain. And uh, if at all possible, be here for that. Um, I believe I don't have any other announcements. Well, of course, you can read this too. But this week, uh, the food pantry item is cornmeal. So uh, let's bring in some cornmeal. And as always, the, the food pantry and clothes closet does a very wonderful service for the community. And it makes a huge difference. And we're thankful for those that, that run it and that we're able to do this. And it's a, it's a very strong ministry that we have. Um, if that's, uh, well, I, I don't have anybody else's announcements. So let's, let's pray before we are dismissed. Heavenly Father, as always, today has been a a beautiful day. We were given a wonderful lesson. We all have gained from the lesson, uplifted, knowing that it comes from thy word. Father, we're so thankful for the life you give us. We're so thankful for your kingdom. Father, we're so thankful for the lessons that we learn. Be those lessons very unpleasant and sometimes very sorrowful. But, Father, we know they're valuable and we can always gain and move forward and be stronger. Father, we're so thankful for the forgiveness given us by thee because we know we're so undeserving. Father, may we always reciprocate and forgive others. Father, we're so thankful that be it early or be it late, but be it as soon as possible, the renewal that we gain when we come into thy kingdom, when we we are indeed saved. We know that this is the greatest gift of all time. Father, we know with the hope we have, we look forward to eternity, everlasting eternity in heaven. What a beautiful future that would be. And it is our hope that all go that way. Father, may complacency never let us forget all that we're given, all that has happened, all that will happen, and all that we must do. And Father, we're so grateful what you have done for us, and so grateful for your son, Jesus, as he died for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.